Jesus for setting us free. Amen. Father, we love you today, and um, we just want to express our gratitude, Lord, for what you did uh, at Calvary. Uh, we thank you this morning, Lord, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And God, um, my prayer today is that when all is said and done, when we're all through today, may you be blessed, and may you be well pleased, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hey, turn around and greet somebody and say it's good to be in the house of the Lord.
think you should do that again, Brother Dave. You know, this shofar has a history, but it's a call to battle. It's a call to worship. Um, it's a call to victory. Amen. And you'll find in uh, a couple of different examples in the Bible where that when they were surrounded by the enemies, God told them to go out and face that enemy. But guess who he put in front of the whole army? The worshipers. The people who worshiped went out and the enemy was slain because God's name was being lifted up. And so we're here this morning to lift up the name of the yes. Lord. And Brother Dave, would you give us that call to worship? Amen. Give a shout unto the Lord.
Jesus to fully praise you. It will take all eternity, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back.
love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness. Tell them this morning, all my life, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so, so good, with every breath that I am love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have been in the goodness of God. Yes, I have, Lord. All my life you have been. Oh, come on and tell him this morning. He has been good. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will speak of the goodness of
Flip your hands up and tell them this morning. privilege to talk about tithe and offering this morning. So I really love this time of year. I really like the cold mornings and the warm afternoons and I really love that like you work all summer and now you get to see like the, the results of all your labors. So this spring I spent the time planting seeds and watering and now I have beautiful grass. I just really wish it wasn't in my garden. <laughs> so I have, the garden was doing pretty good. And about a month ago, I went out to turn off the water at night because I was watering it. And I saw a little doe standing not far from the edge of my garden. And I know people love the thought of this cute little doe. I kind of wanted to shoot it, honestly, because <laughs> I put a lot of work into my garden. But I didn't. But you know, if you are faithful in little things, God will send you big things. So an elk came and ate my garden. <laughs> it, five rows of corn and went down and ate every plant. Not the, not the corn itself, just like every stalk of corn got eaten. And then they've been in my carrots. Now, sometimes it's really easy to say, you know, God, 
I've been faithful, I've tithed, I've put in work, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Why am I getting this? Why is this happening to me? Pity for me. But you know, I've got a lot of other areas of life that I've really been blessed. I don't know if you've noticed, but I haven't missed many meals, even without the, the corn out of my garden. I'm doing pretty good. You know, I've, I complain sometimes about my boys stressing me out, but I've got four healthy boys. I've got a lot that God's blessed me with. It, sometimes it's really easy to get down and like, but God, why did my car break down? That's going to cost me money. Instead of, God, I've got a car. I've got a job. I can go to work. You know, you've really blessed me. So I guess as we go through this week, just encourage you to take the time and say, thank you, God, for what you've given me. Help me to accept the bad things and protect me from more bad things. But thank you for the things you've given me. Thank you for the tomatoes, even though I don't have corn to eat them with. (laughs) And the other side of it is, if I had corn, right now you'd hear me bragging about how beautiful my corn is. And this is so much more entertaining. It just wasn't the morning I walked out and all my corn was gone. So, Okay, I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the things you've blessed us with. Thank you for the money you've given us and the, the ability to praise you with our tithes and with our offerings and help others with the things you've given us. Please bless this offering and help it to go to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've got pain, he's he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Can't feel.
body testify. testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, oh, I gotta testify. If you can feel it, somebody testify. I think we need to testify. Do that bridge again. If you believe it, if you receive Somebody testify it, to the goodness of the Lord. You can Give him a shout this somebody morning. Somebody testify. If you believe I'll give him a praise this morning. people, I will not forget you, Sarah. Children are released. Jay, hi, you stay up here today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melinda. I am the youth leader here at The Hope, and it is my honor and privilege today to bring the message. But before I get to that, though, I just want to open with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. I pray that it impacts lives and changes hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was asked to give this message, um, I panicked, as I normally do. Um, but I normally, I have a few months to prepare. I had like a few weeks. Um, and if you know anything that's been going on in my life, it was a crazy, hectic few weeks. Um, but the next day, a light bulb went off, as often God does, and I sat at my computer at my desk, and I, for five hours, just did this, and I wrote most of it. He wrote most of it. So we've been going through our uh, series downstairs, our summer series with the youth, 
And the overall arcing theme this summer is created for purpose. Um, we started out in June, and we talked about space. Um, we talked about how big space was, honestly, and what it was, its created purpose was. And um, we talked about if our Earth was the size of a grain of sand, the biggest star, look, this is the sun. I drew a little circle around it. I don't know if you can see it. I drew a little circle around our sun. So our Earth is even smaller than that. You can't even get how, you can't even see it. But this is the biggest star that we know of. It's called Canis Majoris, a.k.a. the big dog star. <laughs> and if our Earth were the size of a grain of sand, Canis Majoris would be 400 feet across. Like, I don't know about you, but that humbles me. <laughs> Woo! Uh, and then in July, we learned about o Earth and, you know, the oceans. I had to do a week of oceans because, you know, July is like shark week. You know, I had to do shark week. So um, we learned about the oceans and their, what their created purpose was, and we learned that the Bible backs up um, a lot of what scientists are just now figuring out. Um, we talked about in the 1800s, there was a man by the name of Matthew Murray, and he was a Christian, and he loved reading his Bible. He was a, a naval officer. Um, he is the father of oceanography. He was reading his Bible. Um, he had an accident that left him partially disabled, and he would have stents where he would have to only be in bed. And um, at one of these times, he was reading through his Bible, and Psalm 8, it says, whatsoever passes, oh my gosh, along the paths of the sea. And he determined from that that if the Bible said it, it must be true. So there must be paths in the sea. And from that, he found what we now know as ocean currents. See, this stuff is so fascinating to me. So I thought, you know, we, we did space and we did earth. In August, we're focused on you. We're created for purpose. I timed it this way because school will be starting back soon and the enemy will be working overtime. And I wanted our students to know that regardless of what the world says about them, they were created for and with purpose that only God can give. Amen. We're in week two of that series, and the enemy doesn't just go after children, does he? He likes to go after us adults as well. And so this message is for you who may have felt like you've screwed up, you've fallen off the wagon, or you feel like you've been run over, <laughs> or you're lost. You were created for purpose. First and foremost, no matter what you were created for, you were created. Just like Matthew Murray uses the Bible to make scientific discoveries, I also like to use the Bible in conjunction with science to prove the existence of God. It is literally my favorite pastime. I love passing that on to our kids as well because when the world tells them that this is what, how our world came into being, they can say no. The Bible said it first, before science even knew about it, such as ocean currents. So if you ever doubted, though, that you were created by a God who loves you immensely, let me tell you this. Our body has what's known as DNA. I had to have Sarah pronounce that word for me, so she broke it down, and I literally have it broken down into how you say it in my, in my notes here. Deoxyribonucleic acids, that's our DNA. Woo, I said it. So our DNA, it happens in such a way that there are um, 
there's a ladder made every 10, 5, 6, 5. That's the chain of when ladders are, uh, the acids. So every 10 acids, there's a, a ladder to the other side that makes the double helix. Then every 5, every 6, every 5. Everyone with me so far? Okay. I know, you guys weren't expecting a science lesson, but here we go. So the Hebrew alphabet, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Hebrew alphabet, they have, their letters are made up of obviously, as you can see, many letters that form a sound, and then that letter is also assigned a number. So I thought it was an interesting fact that I found out that, so 10 is uh, yod, Five is he, six is va, five is he. Yod he va he is the word it makes, or how the Hebrews would pronounce Yahweh. And I think it's hilarious that, you know, as much as science tries to erase him, they cannot erase the signature of our creator. Amen. It is literally embedded in our DNA. And I'm going to say this because if I don't, I feel like my sister will attack me afterwards. But, I mean, how many of you have heard of laminin? <laughs> I mean, laminin is literally, it's the protein that holds every cell in our body together. It's in the shape of a cross. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, 13 15, through 15, For you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. God took a look at the world and thought, yep, I think they need a Sarah Welsh down there. Yeah, I'm picking on you, that's right. <laughs> I think they need a Dave down there. But I don't think that this particular grouping of verses talks just to our physical bodies, I believe it speaks to our personalities as well. In verse 16, it says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. I believe that part of what makes us uniquely us is that yes, we're all, we look unique, we have a body that is uniquely ours, but we have an even more uniquely ours personality. We are multifaceted because the God we serve and who created us is multifaceted. He created you because the world needed you. I'm going to use my family as an example. That's a gangly looking group of people, isn't it? My parents have four daughters. This is my, I couldn't find one of just me and my sisters. Apparently, we don't take pictures together very often. The last time was like, I don't know, it was like 2012 or something, and I'm like, guys, come on. So this is the closest I can get. So my parents, they have four daughters. We all look alike, mostly. We're just like different variations of each other. Um, but my older sister, Trisha, she's the one with the sunglasses on. She's very rough around the edges. She doesn't show many emotion, but her favorite one is sass. We not so jokingly call her the pit bull of the family. If you mess with her, you're going you're gonna to know about it. <laughs> Next is me, and 
I not only get called the independent one, I'm a middle child, y'all. I had to do stuff myself. But my sisters also call me, um, they, well, they used to call me mom, because I'm like, don't do that, you're going to get hurt. Don't do that. But I also get told I take things way too personally. I take everything personally. I have all the emotions. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Y'all pray for Aaron. I have literally every single emotion every single day. But that's who God created me to be. But I not only have all my emotions, I'm an empath, so I feel everybody else's emotions. So it's a real good time. Y'all pray for Aaron, seriously. Next in the lineup, we have my little sister, Sam. She's the one in the back standing next to my dad. She is wild and she is crazy. She is she's so much fun to be around, honestly. Uh, there's not a time when I don't laugh when I'm with my sister, Sam. She is strong-willed, she's smart, and she's an independent thinker. She's one of those, you don't tell me what to think, I'll find it out on my own, and she will let you know. Then we have the worst one of all, my baby sister. You guys all know her. You might love her, I don't know. Layer me over there. I only say that because she's here and she can defend herself, okay? She is shy until you get to know her. She loves to have fun because she spends a lot of time with Sam. She's smart from all the years of forcing her to play school, and I do mean forcing. She can have a uh, she's fiercely protected by not just her sisters, but her brothers-in-law as well. She can have a bit of a princess side, if you didn't know that already. Couldn't tell that by her. Um, but don't let that fool you. She can work just as hard as anyone else, if she has to. We all share some personality traits. Loving deeply is the main one that I think of. But what I want to focus on is our differences. Not only do we personally have different personalities, but our relationships with each other are different. Like, for me and Laramie, we're like, we're like the, let's go shopping. That, that's our relationship. Let's just hang out. I, all my relationships with my sisters are just like, I'm the chill, like, just let's just hang out. We don't have to go anywhere unless we're going shopping, and then we can, we can totally do that. Laramie and Sam, they love to go to concerts and stuff together, which I'm never invited to, but whatever. Just kidding. She's like, stop it. We've had that discussion. Anyway. So I think you hopefully get the point that I'm trying to make. We're different. Our relationships with each other are different. I was not created like anyone else, and neither were you. So I think we've established pretty well that God created us, along with our DNA and our different personalities and what we've used in the Bible. But now I want to answer the question, does he care for his creation? Again, to answer this, we have to turn to the Bible. Matthew 6, 25 through 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? These are the words of Jesus, telling the children of God that not only does he care for his creation, he cares about 
his creation. And this is not just our physical needs. This is our spiritual, our mental, our physical, and emotional needs. Every aspect of who we are, God cares for. This world tells children and adults alike how they should dress, eat, feel, mentally be. It is very commonplace, and I'm just as guilty as this, of this as anyone else, for someone who's 35 or younger to say, I'm a dumpster fire of a human. We laugh it off as a coping mechanism. We joke about our mental state. I mean, we've had a lot happen um, in our short lives, but the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else. And it's not in my, my message, but I feel like the Lord wants me to share it. Um, I, I haven't been very shy at all about my mental state when I was a teenager. I was um, suicidal at 16. Um, I was bullied really, really bad in high school. And um, it, it led to me thinking that the world would be better off without me. And I would look at myself in the mirror, and I would pick myself apart. I'd say, you have a big nose. I had really bad acne. So I'd say, your acne is terrible. Um, and I would think that, oh, I'm covering it up. But then, you know, my dad might make a little, you know, dad's thing. It just kind of goes over their head sometimes. But my dad would be like, are you using your acne medication? You should start using that again. And I'm like, I never stopped. <laughs> like, it, I had really, really bad acne. And my hair was just, it, w it was weird. It was like I would either shower, I'd have to like really deep clean it every day or I couldn't clean it for like a week and, or it'd be greasy or it'd be really dry and brittle. Like it was just all over the place. And so my hair always looked crazy. Um, but I would look at the mirror at myself and I would say, why would anyone love you? You're not even worth being here. And I think God wants me to say that because there's a lot of people probably in this room that feel, have felt that. And it wasn't until I became a Christian, um, I, I had zero self-confidence, and then I became a Christian, and God started working on my heart and telling me that you are loved. And then he sent me Aaron, and Aaron like really boosted my self-confidence. He's like, you're so pretty. I'm like, Okay. But God had me do an exercise. He told me, I want you to write on your mirror, you are worthy, you are loved, you are needed. And I want you to say that to yourself every single day. And I did. And at first I couldn't look at myself in the, the mirror. And then I could look at myself, but I'd start crying. But eventually I got to where I could look at myself in the mirror and I could say, you are worthy, you are loved, you are needed. I even got to where I could say, you're beautiful. And now can't nobody tell me nothing. Just kidding. Yeah, that's right. So really, the Lord and Aaron just like skyrocketed my self-confidence, which may or may not be a bad thing. I don't know. The world says, if you're this way, be another way. If you're that way, be the other way. It's a very confusing time to be alive. 
You don't want to say the wrong thing to, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings, but you also want to tell them the truth. The enemy has made so many people believe that God doesn't care for you. And in fact, it's him that cares for you. It's easier done when you don't know the word of God. We look to the example of Jesus himself in Matthew 4, when the enemy whispers these lies to us. Did God really create you that way? It is written that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, if that were true, why are you having all these thoughts and feelings? It is written in Jeremiah 17, 9, my heart is deceitful, my feelings will deceive me. The enemy wants you to feel certain ways because then we go against what God has said and the protection that he has set up, not only for our hearts, our bodies, but our minds. Again, it's a lot easier to do if you're not in the word and you don't know what it says. I stress downstairs the importance of getting into your word. I understand life is crazy. Some days you're just like, it slipped, Lord. But it's so important to get into that word and know what it says, to get it into your heart. That's how Jesus was able to combat the enemy, right? It is written. I know it is written. And it's not a, I read the Bible, check, that's off. No, it's the living word of God. You have to get into it every day because it's always changing. There are verses that I've read, and I'm like, well, I didn't see that before because it's always changing. It, it changes with your life. It says what you need it to say in the time that you need it to say it. Precisely, God is always on time. For me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed about all the emotions and everybody else's emotions, I feel, I do two things. I put on worship music and I just sit. It's like I can hear God telling me, come sit with me, lean back for a while, just rest, rest your mind, rest your heart, let me take on the things that are swirling around in your mind. I never say anything. I just sit there and let the God who knows my innermost being love me and release my mind of weight of the weight of all the things that I've taken on that don't belong to me. This happened to me just a couple weeks ago. Many of you know my father-in-law passed away on Father's Day. Um, a couple weeks later, my mom's youngest sister, my aunt, passed away. A week after that, a cousin that I was close to when we were younger passed away. All unexpectedly. I mean, we kind of expected Papa Levels a little bit, but. And we were pre preparing for the canoe marathon, which, whew, that was, that was a whole experience. Um, I was mentally going through it. Some of you I know commented, I, po I had posted on Facebook about it. I had taken Aaron and his partner to the river for a practice run, and then I went to the pickup spot to go and wait for them, as I often did. And I like, I love, the, I love being on the river. It just, it's so peaceful to me, and I love it more so when there's no tourists. Um, <laughs> because the animals will start coming in, and if you just sit and be quiet, nature will do what nature does. And it's so peaceful to me. Um, unfortunately, there were, it was pretty packed. So, <laughs> Camp Asabo was there with a bunch of kids. So, um, but I sat in the truck, and I put on worship music, and I looked at the river. 
And as I did, I started to cry. When I thought I was done, song came on and more tears started to fall. We've all been there, right? I went to wipe them away and try to stop them from falling. And I heard the God who loves me so much say, let them fall. I'm here with you. I posted on Facebook in that moment because I felt alone. The enemy, he likes to get in our minds. He likes to make us feel unworthy, alone, lost, with no direction, no purpose. But what does God say about that? Isaiah 41, 13. For it is written, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. If we want to defeat the enemy, it's not through our feelings. It's through our mind. It holds, the, it holds the knowledge of God through the word that he has given us. Your purpose is not tied to how you feel about certain things. But it is tied to what you know God has said to be true. God has not just created us. I, I asked my kids a few weeks ago, I was like, why did God create us? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, was it a pet project? He's just bored? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, no. No. He has not created us as a pet project. We all have a purpose. Our overall arcing purpose is to tell the world of him. All who have accepted Jesus as his son have this general purpose. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. On a more personal note, though, how do we figure out what it is God has for us? Praying, reading the word, growing your relationship with him. It's a few of them. Leaning on your past because we know that God works all things to the good of those who love him. When I was 18, I, so I accepted Jesus two weeks shy of my 18th birthday, um, which is December 23rd. So me and Jesus were having a little celebration of Christmas. But when I was 18, God clearly, I said, God, right after I got saved, God, I'll do anything, whatever, whatever you ask. Just tell me and I'll do it. And he said, leave my youth. And I said, nope. <laughs> you have to remember in my mind, okay, I'm still in that I have no self-confidence. This is right after I got saved. And uh, my answer to him was actually not only nope, but I said, I don't know if you know this, Lord, but the youth in this community kind of hate me. I don't know if you were there during high school, but I've always been pretty clear that my immediate answer was no. But as I've grown in the Lord, that call has become louder and louder and louder until I couldn't ignore it anymore. I was compelled to go to someone to tell me what do I have to do to answer this call. I was actually, I was at a t on a teen weekend retreat and I went to the pastor that was um, kind of leading it and I said, how did you become a pastor? I'm like, well, I don't even know what you do. Like, is there a school for that? And he's like, well, yeah, I went, I went to college, but um, I, don't, I would suggest talking to your pastor. 
And so I did. I went up to Pastor Norm and Pastor Barb, and I was like, help. I don't know what to do. And they told me about my psalm, and I was able to go. And um, I'm still waiting on my, my interview, and then I will officially be a pastor. Thank you. So I was absolutely terrified. That's why I said no. Not necessarily because I'm like, the kids in this community kind of hate me, God. It was because I was terrified. I have always regarded those in the ministry so much. Like, I'm like, what you guys do is so hard. There's something more, though, that made me hesitant to step into fully what God had for me. It wasn't just going and volunteering with the youth. He wanted me to lead the youth. And it's one, you're held to a higher standard. You're teaching people. And we all know what God says about that. Two, I feel like you're held to an even higher standard as a, a leader of the youth. Because we all know how God is view, or he views children, right? We know what he said about the millstones. I take that very seriously. <laughs> so you can trust when I tell you what I teach downstairs is accurate. Because I don't want no mil- I can't swim, guys. It was scary to me. So has God called us all to be pastors? No. It says it right there in the word that we weren't all called to be pastors. He might not have even called you to work in the church. For the majority, God has called you to be out in the marketplace. My husband, Aaron, is a great example of this. As much as I think, and I think you guys have echoed, that he is called to the ministry after Father's Day message. He said, I prayed about it, and he said no. Okay. He is known at work as the even-tempered one probably because I've never seen him lose 10 times to the big boss on his video games, but I'll tell that story later. It is well known he does not drink, he does not smoke, he does not steal, he does not lie. He works to the best of his ability every single day. He comes in early, he leaves late, because he takes the verse that says, do everything as unto the Lord, seriously. Now he gets poked fun of quite a bit, because he doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, actually, uh, so we were, uh, I was part of Aaron's feed team for the canoe marathon, and we were actually talking about how he doesn't do any of that stuff. They actually, um, his friends from work brought it up, and um, one of his friends, Brandon, was like, I think I've heard him curse once, and I looked at him and I said, I guarantee you, you have never heard, he might have said, darn it. So if that's what you mean by cursing, maybe. But I guarantee you, he has not ever said a curse word. And he's like, yeah, it could have been darn it. <laughs> like, yeah, I guarantee you, it, it was. if you heard it, it didn't come from Aaron's mouth. So when they go out, they, they like to go out to take their people out to eat as a company, though. And when they do, they have a two-drink rule. They'll pay for your first two alcoholic drinks. After that, they won't. Um, Aaron gets all his drinks for free, obviously. I'm never invited to these dinners because his coworkers are always like, oh, come on, Aaron, just one drink, just one, just one. And he's like, no, I don't want one. 
It's a personal choice he has. I, I, don't, I just don't want one. Now, again, I'm never invited, or else I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with that? I, I'd probably get after him a little bit, but he doesn't let me come. Probably that's why. He always tells him no, standing on the ground of, I don't want to because of my faith. They know the reason he does not drink or swear or, and is such a hard worker. It's because he loves Jesus. He doesn't, he's, it's not a secret. He's very out there with, I love Jesus, and this is why I do what I do. When he got, um, he went from swing shift, which is two weeks of nights, two weeks of days, onto all day shift into the lab. They asked him about working on Sunday, and he said, no, I won't work on Sunday. That's one of the reasons why I want this day, Monday through Friday job. I want to be in church. I want to be able to be used by church for the Lord. He's very clear, even in his interview. And the Lord has honored that because he got that job. And not only that, he just recently received another promotion. So, We decided as a couple a long time ago. Now, I was raised what I call heathen. Martha Jo, I, I, I get you when you say that. I know what you mean. I was raised heathen. So my family, uh, it was Saturday night poker games over at aunt, my aunt and uncle's house, just having a blast with my cousins while my parents played poker. And um, I think only one time my mom got blackout drunk, but she didn't do that again. But when I became a Christian, I was a little lost because of that. What does being a Christian mean? Can I not drink? Can I not do any of this stuff that, you know, I grew up with? But then we read in the Bible that we are to be different than the world. And me and Aaron decided a long time ago that as a couple, if the world told us we were to be radically different, then we were going to be radically different. And people think we're weird, and that's okay. He may not be preaching or teaching, leading prayer ministries or leading any ministry, but he is showing the world who Jesus is through how he lives his life. Amen. For the majority of people, using your life and your love of God is your purpose. Could be God has called you to teach students, our next generation. Maybe God has called you to be the smiling face as a cashier. You get the chance as a cashier to interact with a lot of people every day that you work, to say a little prayer for them, make their day better. When I was going through this with Aaron, he said, that's why I tell dad jokes to people. It makes their days better. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. So, okay, some people it does. Me, no. I'm like, please stop. I've heard them all. You might be called to be the stay-at-home mom who brings the light to the playgroup that you're a part of. My point in being, just because we think it's insignificant doesn't mean that God does. Our God-given purpose isn't measured the way man-given purpose is. Man-given purpose measures success and significance by numbers and likes. God-given purpose is measured by the change in others' hearts as they have their eyes open to a love they never knew existed. Man-given purpose is all about what can I get 
or how can I be served? God-given purpose is about what can I give and how can I and or who can I serve? I was a cashier at my local Dollar Tree for a couple years. It is in no way a glamorous job. You have people yell at you all the time because you're out of stuff and you're like, I don't order the truck, I'm sorry. We're a smaller store, we don't get that item. But I began to have customers that I recognized and they me and I would ask them, you know, How, how's your day going? And sometimes they would open up doors and I'm like, close it up, close it up. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to know all that. But in particular, I think of this one lady, um, she had cancer, and she would come in, and I would just be like, oh, hi, hi, how's your day, you know, being friendly. And one day, she unloaded on me. She was having a real tough day. And I prayed with her, and she left smiling, and she said, thank you so much. It doesn't really seem significant to be a cashier, but you get that chance to be that light to someone, a smile, a hug. I always made sure my customers left with a smile or else I didn't feel like I did my job right. (laughs) In finding your God-given purpose, always be authentic. Remember, God made you unique. Don't try to be someone else. A few months ago, I taught on for such a time as this. I posted this on the youth group page, and I want to share it with you now. It's six rules to remember about yourself. One, you are born to solve a problem. Two, you are a response to a a need that God knew existed. Three, you are the answer to a question God knew would be asked. Four, you are the fulfillment of at least one of God's desires, but probably more. Five, you are the assignment this world needs. And six, you are necessary. Thinking we have no purpose, it's not a new tactic of the enemy. I mean, back when I was a teenager, he was using it. Back when I was a child, he was using it. You got no new tricks. It's just like the song we sang earlier. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy likes to tell us, you don't have a purpose on this earth. But Jesus says, yes, you do. I would know I created you. Our purpose is not something that the enemy has any authority, even though he thinks he does, to take or to screw up. God is the only one with that authority. And I want to leave you with this. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know, I, told, I said this verse to my kids, and I was like, do you ever like, get told a verse and you're just like, oh. I know, I know this verse, I've heard it, and, 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 and. But really listen to these words and what they mean in our lives. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for peace, not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. I told my kids last week that 
it brought me so much peace to know that the God who created the universe has plans for me, that he created me, that he knows every single one of my days. Because no matter what I'm facing, I know God is already there. He's already conquered it. There's already a victory in that. I struggled with anxiety and depression and panic attacks when I was younger. And for me, God said, give it to me. And I did, and he took it. Because that wasn't part of my purpose. The fear that I felt was not part of my purpose. I went from not talking to anyone and actually being like this, making sure people didn't see me, and now I'm like super like, what, what is the, extroverted. <laughs> and I'm like, who is, who is she? <laughs> that is not me. What in the world? But that's who God created me to be. I need to be out there. I need to be extra for my kids. Because I'm willing to act a fool, they're willing to act a fool. And when you can have fun with someone, they're able to learn. They're able to take in the knowledge that I'm giving them, which is the knowledge of God. So I want you guys to remember this one thing. If you don't remember any other part of my message, remember this. You were created for purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the chance to bring this message to your children. I pray that each one of them know that they were created for purpose and that they start seeking after that purpose. Whether it is being in ministry or being a cashier or whatever, being the mom at the mom group. I pray that you would just fill them today with your purpose and your love and your peace, that they would be able to go out into this world and spread that around. We have a lot of hate and confusion, but you are not the God of confusion. So I pray that your spirit overtakes us when we are in our communities, that your spirit is what comes out of our mouths, that your love is what fills us and comes out and fills other people as we make those connections. I pray that today as we go about our, the rest of our day and our weekend, that we would all just have a blessed weekend and a safe travel home and that you would bring us back together again next week to worship your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.